Welcome back to the latest episode of The Side Eye. I am Robert Brown, a.k.a. Uptown Bobby, a.k.a. Call me whatever you like, just make it nice. Uh, and I am Kay Clark, uh, a.k.a. Blast Devereaux. <laughs> That's your favorite uh, Golden Girl? Uh, I mean, I, I would say personality-wise, I'm more like Dorothy, but I got some, I would say some blast tendencies. I could see you as Dorothy, and then maybe like, you know, when you, uh, you know, you do your uh, drag and alter egos as Blanche. I could see yeah. that. <laughs> with Jessica, uh, compare me once to Cabral DeVille. <laughs> oh, damn. It's a cartoon. Not, not, the, not, the, not, not, the, not the Killing Puppies part, but more just the, I guess, the... The flair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, we're back again, back to talk about pop culture, uh, you know, the you. And this week, we're talking about the season premiere of Atlanta. And as you all, if you're a listener of the show, you know, we've talked about Atlanta before. It's just one of those shows that will, I don't want to sound corny and say generation defining, but it's kind of a big deal because it yeah. was like, it was a show that kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I remember the, the first trailer for it. I was interested in it, not because I don't really like Donald Glover, but not because of just him, but because of like the premise. I wanted to see if it would be like authentic, like covering like him as a, I, I, I didn't really know the uh, plot, but I knew that he was behind it and it had something to do with rapping. And when I watched it, I was like, oh, okay, this is funny. You know, it's, Dry humor. Uh, there's no laugh track or nothing. No, no audience. It's just kind of like, kind of like a always sunny in Philadelphia type humor, kind of, um, you know. And it was somewhat unique for a show like this to be on primetime. And uh, yeah, I just, I just enjoyed it. And we, you know, we've enjoyed it enough to get to this point. Now I will say, last season I wasn't in love with, but uh, it was interesting. It moved the plot, I guess, but I just didn't like some of it. Was a, it got a little too surreal for me, even though the show is surreal. Uh, so here we are with season four. And what were your impressions of the season premiere? Uh, well, first, I'd say with the comment about uh, Generation Final, I, I guess I would agree with that, um, you know, because the show hit uh, 2016. So I was right when. I'd say most, I mean, the show, the characters are definitely like 80s babies. And and that was like when most of us were like either had already turned 30 or or like in the in the early to the mid 30s. So I think it, it definitely hit like a different, hit right, right, on that, right on that spot. So like insecurity of caption of like hitting that particular age point for people. So I, I would give it, I, I give it a, a title. It's one of, the, one of the one of the shows that kind of defines, you know, black millennials at least, you know, speak for our, our white counterparts. But um anyway with the season four um so far uh first episode was i guess it was a good i guess reintroduction to atlanta both the show and the city because you know season three they were all in europe um i, I like you I, I i can admire the creative audacity of season three but i didn't particularly always i didn't always enjoy it if that makes sense um as far as like as, as far as a watching experience um but this season, you know, first episode back in Atlanta, uh, and then it's like vintage Atlanta. Darius walking into a mall, into a store that's being randomly looted for no reasons. Never explain why. 
Darius, of course, is completely oblivious. He, he returns this uh, air fryer or tries to. The guy just takes his money and runs. Or, or this white lady in a wheelchair who's based on the real person uh, at one of the rides uh, chases him with, with like a little knife you know, in, in, in her electric uh, wheelchair. Uh, you got Van and Earn at this mall. And they keep seeing all their old exes and they feel like they may be getting trapped. They go to this, they go to this wall and it leads them out to uh, where Pure Boy is. He's been on a scavenger hunt. This rapper, uh, Blue Blood, who to me is based on like MF Doom, as far as like being like <laughs> a really, <laughs> as far as being like a really niche rapper that had like this kind of mm-hmm. you know uh, underground cachet and who passed away recently as well. Um, so that um that episode it was it was it was it was fine. It was, it was, I think it was a good reintroduction to, to Atlanta. You know, it was, it was weird and kind of funny, but and and sort of like I guess you could say it made the point of like these characters since we met them. You know, first episode everybody was struggling. Um, and now they've all had some level, level now they've had some level of success. It's like, I guess for Darius, because Darius is still just doing whatever Darius does. Um, but they've all got they all had some measure of success, not success and now they're back in Atlanta. It's, it's almost question is have they outgrown the city or have they outgrown like their the past? But then you got a second episode, uh the homeliest little horse, and it turned, you know, when it comes to earned, he has not uh, outgrown his path because uh you get the reason why he finally um left Princeton as explaining therapy uh that he got he had this uh interaction with a, with a fellow RA named Sasha and he left his suit in her dorm and then he tried he, he couldn't reach her so he went in to get it while she wasn't there and then, he, and then they, she freaked out and then they started putting on his terms like invasion of privacy and all those terms and him he ended up just uh he got suspended he dropped out of school and then that filled him with spite and then he became the earner we know and he wanted to you know show everybody and get and sort of prove them wrong when that carries over to his interaction with this white woman at the airport uh that he ruined her life by having her believe she had been signed to a literary agent and then she has this reading and it goes terrible but it turns out Aaron planned the whole thing <laughs> which shows to me in a way that he still needs to be in therapy then you got this the last two, uh, couple episodes um what was the third one about third one was about um uh, okay um um, another well, another the, the recent one was about uh people boy getting getting the uh what they call it a a a, uh, a white a young white avatar and then some we're we gonna talk about that in a minute but the first two I thought were were, were good uh so far uh, what you what you think of them I'm sorry uh oh. I, I was I was um I was surprised by how much I enjoyed the first two. It mm. felt like, like I that's what I've been missing. Like mm. I, I like the because I think the episode, the first episode was titled the, with the most Atlanta or something. Yeah, like it was just, and it was very reminiscent of like the first two seasons. You know, the city, the sitting, mm-hmm. just the humor. Um, you know, of course, there's gonna be some talk about racism, which is cool. I always feel like when they talk about racism, it's kind of like, <laughs> well, how can I put it? Oh, I don't know. It's hard to explain the way they talk about racism on the show. It's always very like uh, it's, uh, it's, I didn't, it's I didn't like know thing. I was I just realized I was black. I just I'm black, but I just realized racism affects me too, type of racism. <laughs> <laughs> like like the episode of Fresh Prince when uh Carlton was young and he's, oh. Uncle Phil said, You're gonna be the first black president and then Carlton said, I'm black. <laughs> 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 that's how the racism feels or like, a letter feels like sometimes like damn I'm really a nigga 
Shit. <laughs> well, let me figure this out. But um, like the lady with the air fryer, like she was like, you know, I I die before you get this, you know, that type mm. of shit. It's like wow, you know. It, it was, was real. Was per- yeah, that's based on a real person too. Actually, like doing one of the I think rides. I can't remember where, but the woman blocked the block. She blocked the door with her wheelchair, and they she, they sprayed her with a with fire with fire extinguishers. Mm. Especially considering that she had like superhuman abilities. <laughs> Tracking <laughs> abilities, yeah. Right. But uh yeah, I I, I fucked with it though. I, I really like uh just some of the humor. Like of course Darius being Darius still. Nigga trying to return something in the, <laughs> in the midst of a <laughs> like it was it was very uh it felt like a homecoming of sorts. Mm-hmm. And I, I was uh I really liked that. Uh the second episode I I liked it because I liked the way it was kind of coming full circle. Because mm. we never really did know the exact reason he dropped out that I'm aware of. I always yeah. felt like it, maybe he just, you know, Aaron is always aloof and just mm. uh, apathetic. Just kind of just there. So it's like, maybe the nigga just got on weed, you know, and just <laughs> stopped caring, you know. But to break it down like that, it was kind of cool to see, you know, um, and that regret and all that, it is just seeing like his character getting some—I won't say much needed depth, but like some uh, some more layers. Because sometimes I feel like, well, Ern is just not shit, and that's like it. <laughs> but it's like, well, how did he end up not being shit? You know. Mm. So that was kind of cool to add to that. Like maybe you know he has some like some trauma responses. You know he's. He's clearly, you know, regretful of some of the decisions he made and some of the stuff that's happened to him. So, you know, and then he's somebody who, you know, still does horrible shit to people, like you mentioned earlier. So it's like, mm. you know, the clearly we, he still needs therapy. Yeah, well, it gets back. I always thought it, thought it gets back to um, what his uncle, Cat Williams, character said to him in the second season when alligator man, when he said, you know, you don't want to end up like me, then lose that chip on your shoulder, you know. And we, I think, with the Princess story, we get we, we see where he well, it may have been there before, but we see where he uh, it got bigger, but that with that Princess incident because he says at the some point, you know, uh, the guy asked him, you know, uh, how'd you feel about her saying all these things about? She said, "Well, I was hurt because we were friends." And I like that he said that because you know, whenever these things happen, whenever racism, you know, pops out at you, you got you know. You have the anger, and you, and people make the memes and the gifts, and everybody, you know, the dragging happens. All that stuff happens, but underneath all that is really, you know, hurt, especially when it's interpersonal, like it was with Baron. So, I think, I think it, I think it brought depth to the character because it was like a personal. It wasn't like an outside, random, crazy thing that just happens and like, oh shit. It was more like a, you know, he he was obviously at least acquaintances with this, with the girl Sasha or friends. He thought, and then this happens, you know. Right, so it felt very real, uh, and mm-hmm. I, I liked it. And uh, now I haven't seen the second, the the third, third or fourth it, episode. It, it, yeah, it's, it's it's only been three. I don't, I don't know why I thought four, but it's only been three. The third one uh, aired Thursday called "Born to Die." So, mm. but yeah, I'm excited. Uh, any expectations you have for this season? Like, you think it's um, going to end on a good note, or you think I, it's going to be like one of those? I don't know. Really... Wake up and it never happened. <laughs> hey, what's it called? Dust? Dust X? What's it called? Do Six Machina? Like, you mean yeah. like, like, he, like, like he wakes up and it's like 2010, he's back in Princeton or something? <laughs> right, right. And he had a bad dream. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, the third episode, you know, for me was half and half. Just you know, just a just a heads up. <laughs> and when you watch, it. I, I liked half of it. The other half was like, yeah, it ain't been real land for me. Um, but um, how will it end? I don't know. Because I mean, Ernest said he wants to move out to California uh, to to expand his business or you know to work for somebody else. Um, so there's that. What will happen with if if third episode is an indication for for Al, you know, he may be trying to transition to like other parts of the music business. Uh, then hopefully get for one last you know solo episode. <laughs> um, Darius, who knows? I don't know. I, I feel like uh, he'll he'll Darius to me is transcended like hanger on stats like he he's, he's never been he doesn't he's never come across like a leech even though he did even though the third season he was getting on Alfred's nerves but not being able to pay for anything but I feel like I'm trying to think of somebody well please I don't know what the relationship is like now but to me it's like similar to like Jay-Z and uh Meek Mill I mean not yeah. Me, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Memphis Bleed Memphis Bleed yeah um, <laughs> I mean, I think because Memphis Bleak has, you know, he's not, he's never, he never really had like an album or, or a song that really blew up, but yet he was still around Jay through all the through the rise. So I feel like that's similar with uh, with Darius and, and Al. He may not, he may not never like necessarily be as successful as Earn it has become, but I feel like Al was always keeping him around because he just gives him a, he keeps him rooted in, even though Darius is very uh, head in the clouds, he kind of keeps him rooted in a way. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how the season ends, and I I like not knowing. I, mm-hmm. I hope it isn't any corny shit, like you know, uh, him waking up and it was all a dream or whatever, you know. Or he he's in the future. I I would be shocked if they played with time and had him in the future or something. Um, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm just hoping for the best. I hope Van gets. More than just one episode, because that last episode had a lot of questions. You know, like what the fuck is like? What is she doing? Like beating people up with bread and shit, and uh, <laughs> it was very, very different. So, I, I just want to see uh, some some closure that's fitting to the show. You know, and not just closure for the sake of closure. Like, oh, let's wrap this shit up. <laughs> so, I think with Van, she how she explained to a friend, then she was experiencing like a, a an identity crisis. Which at the end, mm-hmm. at the end, it looked a little better. It's kind of been building because first season she can't have that meeting with, her, with like a friend of me, Jay, who was saying like, you know, what you're doing with your life because you used to laugh at girls that were had that was like in your situation. Then you had she ran to the other woman, Monica, who was telling her like, you know, I can give you the life like mine if you want it. And then second season she she uh ran to her old friend. They went to the uh that German festival. And then the, she had another friend that she ran to, and, and it was like, you show was black. And then and she, and she introduced her as like, this is Erin's girl, Lottie's mom. So it's been building for a while if you look through the, through the seasons, like of her just only being referred to as one of the other, Erin's girlfriend or, or uh, Lottie's mom. And so to me, that was like, I mean, it was done in a way that was like really out there and weird, but it was like her sort of like figuring out, trying to see like, well, who am I actually, you know? Right. And um, I know it. Atlanta has taken shots because people have taken shots at Atlanta because they don't like the way people. Some people don't like the way women are depicted, and I, I kind of get it because you know Van is kind of like the only woman that's like, like given any real prominence. But mm-hmm. um, also I mean I kind of like get that, but it's also like a show I guess about a nigga centered around a nigga. So 
I get why he centers it around mostly men, but I, I do get why people have some criticism. Because when he does show black women, it's kind of like he be very um uh, like scammy or or mad. Like uh, I never forget the episode with Drake, and the girl had this whole diatribe about like uh, the dude having a white girl, some shit. And oh, I was yeah. like, bitch, I love him too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, where I came from. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this about? Like, mm. a whole little, like, like a very, very, like, loud anger rant. I'm like, all right. So I don't know. Yeah. Man. I, yeah. I, I, mean, I, I sent you a link. We you finished? I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're good. Go ahead. Uh, I, I sent you a link while back about it was a it was a YouTuber. She had like a, a video about Atlanta and how it portrays women. I thought it was really uh, insightful um, because she said, like you said, either like are scammers or like or sort of like unstable acting, or they're like these. Or she she called them like these sort of all knowing sort of oracle mother figures that kind of pushed the, the male characters along, like the woman at the club in the first season. Um, last season that you had the woman that, that was kind of like a, a Santa for Al's mother, you know, when they were in Europe. So it's like they they tend to they occupy the one, the other role, like I said before. So uh, right? yeah, about uh, uh, yeah, we, we were talking about uh, Atlanta and women. I think <laughs> or Atlanta's yeah, a TV yeah. show and how it portrays women. Right, right, and uh, we just talked about how the criticism um, Donald Glover has faced with. And I say Donald because we know of his involvement with the show. You know, I know there are other writers too, but he's the face and he's the biggest name. Well, kind of. You could argue he was the biggest. It's, it's his face. vision. Yeah, it's his. Right, yeah. right. It's his vision. So he he's the person that the finger gets pointed to, and also with his past mm. of you know. Uh, I want to. How would you say his microaggressions towards women? Or, uh, uh, I mean, for me, I, I I wasn't that much aware. I didn't pay attention too much to, to the Charles Gambino parts of it until around like Awakening My Love or maybe a little bit before that. So I can't give certain specific examples to that. I know I've heard certain things like over the years that I look back and look back into. Uh, but to me, he does seem to carry more than a bit of a. Uh, bitter blurred energy if i say <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah some someone who grew up you know probably taking shit from both the black kids and the white kids and and maybe had crushes on black girls and they crushed his dreams and that over time maybe that kind of uh uh morphed into you know uh these things that you see on the show where black women are portrayed in ways that, that make that make you kind of scratch your head you know right mm. and um I don't know. I, I don't. I don't give him too much grief for it because, like, I think the show is told through you know a man's perspective. So I get why, like you, like you say, uh, <laughs> what you say, straight boy TV. <laughs> so I, I, I get that. Uh, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a bit of that. But then I will say, just to push it a little bit further, you know, when it shows that uh, 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 female driven, like an insecure, you know, Lawrence's and 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 the uh, the. Uh, the Daniels and and the uh, uh what, what was his name uh, Na- uh Nathan's you know they 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 tend to be more real written real written and more you know dimensional than you know when the opposite happens. Uh, I think that might be because hmm, that's, that is true, 
But I think only because a big part of Insecure was romance, mm. while a big part of Atlanta is just kind of like coming of age, mm. like niggas living <laughs> to come up uh, yeah. type story, you know. And then he then he got a baby mom, you know. It's like mm. he doesn't really date. It's just yeah. him and yeah. him and Val, you know. Insecure was like kind of like a romance. Well, I guess you can't say it's a romance. It's like a it's a it's kind of a a dramedy. It's like a romantic dramedy. Mm. So yeah. I guess that's the only difference I could say about it. That that's probably why the men are so layered more than Atlanta. And also a woman wrote it. Let's just be honest. Women <laughs> women <laughs> women um Women are just better at crafting uh, stories like that when it comes uh, to like mates and things like that. And then, like like I said, Earn is just and oddly enough, he's the only one who has like anything close to a romantic life. We don't see really Darius's love life. We don't mm-hmm. really see uh, you know uh, Paperboy's love life. Really, that's really it. Like, yeah, that's true. But I will say, it, it, the reason for that, it may reason that the, more, the male characters on female shows may be written better than, than the opposite. Uh, one, because I know that uh, Issa has talked about having male writers in the room. Obviously, Prentice Penny was a showrunner, so you had mm-hmm. that, that ear. But also the fact that, you know, uh, technically women are the minority, and, you know, when you're the minority, you have to know the other side better than they have to know you. True. And I, uh, and I just think that sometimes when it comes to, like I said, uh, Insecure was mostly, was, was more of a, a romance. Mm, that's true, yeah. Sit around romance in Atlanta. It's just like, um, I don't think Earn has the toolbox to really talk about romance and romantic things like that. Because you, you look at Atlanta, like, the scenes with him and Val, nine times out of ten, it's like tense or argumentative or it's like, kind of like uh it's like drama it's not mm. there's very few scenes you see with them where it's like loving really or or it's like um romantic mm. well i will say that in the first that first episode of this season it's not like they were in a different place now uh like it's not like they were at a point where they were like genuinely friends you know mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas before it was like they were kind of like they weren't dating, but they were still kind of together, and mm-hmm. things, things were like 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 you said were kind of tense and off. But then season three, she was there, but she was like her own funk or whatever. But then, and, but mm-hmm. then now, now it seems like they're kind of in this place where you know they're always going to be connected because of the, because of Lottie. But now it's like they seem like they would hang out anyway. If they, even if they, even, if they, even, if they, even if they didn't have a baby together, they still would be hanging out. Right. Yeah. They kind of had like the classic. Uh, early baby daddy, baby mama relationship where it was like we are we're trying to, we're doing what we can for the kid, but at the same time, we kind of got like maybe some unfinished business and then it kind of got to the point where like, I I can't, we we could never be mm-hmm. a thing, you know, even even for, you know, a lot of we, we just can't coexist like that. Mm-hmm. So we'll be friends and co-parents. So, yeah. but uh, I think the history of Atlanta will just show it as uh, a show about niggas trying to make it, and I think it'll probably be known more so for its surrealism 
than anything else. You know, because like I said, Insecure was a romantic uh, dramedy. And it, the story of Issa and Lawrence is kind of like the whole show. I don't, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't, I, I haven't listened to any podcast or anything like that. And I don't know if that was always the intention, but there was moments when you watched it in real time where it felt like, okay, that's not the whole story. Like, they're moving on from that. But then, you know, it always came back to those two and it ended with those two. So, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think Atlanta's going to be like the, 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 the black show that uh, redefined uh, not well, I don't want to say that sounds so bold and a bit too <laughs> much, but it'll be the black show that showed humor from another perspective mm. instead of like you know laugh tracks and like um you know it was it was like done in the same way as like you know uh always sunny in Philadelphia or mm. the office or uh, you know shows similar like that, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely a different show than uh insecure was, but yeah, yeah. I would I would agree with that. Yeah. So are you uh do you think it's time for it to go? Yeah. yeah uh because with that with that surreal, when you when you traffic in the that surrealism and like that uh off culture sort of storytelling, it's like it's a fine line between like this is brilliant, this is like man, these niggas up so, so far beyond asses, you know. This is you know, uh I, <laughs> I think it's a bit I feel like just I ain't trying to spoil season the third episode for you, but I think the his he's at least the earned sort of last season in the in the third episode felt like more the latter to me than the former. <laughs> huh. For me anyway. It, it didn't it didn't land for me. Huh. So I think yes, yeah, I think it's a, it's a fine line with when that achieving that balance and and at that high of a level. Uh, consistently, it's it's hard to do over say six or seven seasons. Right. Yeah, because I feel a lot of people check out, mm-hmm. especially when it's like it's a it's still a comedy and it's still like surreal, but it's it's rooted in this type of there's a realness and a seriousness to Atlanta than like an always sunny in Philadelphia. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a um, the absurdity has a has a commentary to it that that you wouldn't get with. Like always sunny, right. or, or even like a uh, Kirby enthusiasm. Because even though I haven't watched a lot of Kirby enthusiasm, what I get from it is like petty grievances. Right. Like it's not that deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But when insecure, not insecure, but Atlanta tries to be deep, quote unquote. <laughs> Sometimes I think it's still. I, I I never. I haven't really watched insecure. I know some people watch insecure and be like, man, I'm not insecure. I need to stop saying that. Most of people watch Atlanta and be like, yo, this was so brilliant. And you know, you you break this down, man, it's so deep. And I'm I never got that feeling really. I I think the maybe the deepest episode for me was like the episode where they went, they showed him in uh middle school, high school, mm, maybe. Fubu. And uh yeah, Fubu and the boy killed himself. Mm. Uh that was that was I was like, oh, you know, but everything else has been kind of like pretty straightforward, like racism bad, you know. Uh this is a black man plight <laughs> type stuff. Like I said, you know, Donald, that's that's how I feel like it comes off like, man, you know, I'm I'm really a nigga too. <laughs> <laughs> I thought y'all liked me. <laughs> uh but uh 
Yeah, I, I, it's, it's interesting. I wonder. I, I also wonder how many doors does this open for other creators to come on FX and create? Because of the way FX has been going, I haven't really seen them give any other black person that type of like opportunity. Not saying that I'm. I don't know what they have in the works. I don't know what pilots they've had that didn't work, baby. But you know, other than Snowfall, I haven't really seen, and that's a different type of show anyway. That's but I haven't really, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Straight black boy, so. Mm-hmm. so it's for the niggas. But uh, mm-hmm. I I don't know if I haven't seen them give that opportunity to another uh, black creative like they have. A I know they. I'm not saying that they're racist outright or they don't they don't want to do that, but it's interesting to me how we haven't seen it versus like Insecure and HBO. HBO has been like, oh shit, y'all niggas funny, so y'all want to show? <laughs> like, y'all y'all want to show? Yeah, you want to show? <laughs> like, come on, you give your show. Well, I think even getting past just FX, I mean, well, if you look at a show like uh, what was it on HBO? Uh, Random Acts of Flatness. I don't think they would have gotten the green label without Atlanta. Um, Sherman Showcase, even though it's you know it's, it's like a, a different type of show, it's like that. It's almost like a, a play on that, that Soul Train, you know, as sort of model, but like with humor thrown in, you know. I don't think honestly I think you would have those shows without Atlanta like softening the ground a bit. Huh. I didn't even watch the Random Max and Flying. Honestly, uh, kind of came and went. I remember the trailer. It, it, it's like a Flying Lotus video, like brought to life. Oh, how many? an extended one. Uh, it was like it was like maybe four or five episodes. I can't remember. It wasn't like a long season, but it was like right. yeah, yeah. So I'm interested to see how they move forward with um, you know how they how they handle like I wonder if they're looking for that next thing. Like you know how HBO Max saw how successful and secure it was, so they gave you know the Black Lady mm-hmm. Sketch Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a few, they pretty mm-hmm. much. Right, exactly. They gave Issa the keys. I wonder how FX is going to move forward now that Atlanta's are they going to like tap into Earn? I mean, not Earn, but tap into Donald Glover again. Like, hey, you know, uh, what else she got? <laughs> what your brother? What you and your <laughs> brother got? What else y'all want to do? Because I know um, a quick here and Mizzy has signed over the rights to Fresh Water, and that was supposed to be developed for TV, but that's mm. been. A little. That's been since like 2018, I think. So, and we still haven't even got a trailer. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. So, we'll see what. Well, we'll see what doors uh, Atlanta opens for uh, other black creators that do business with FX and I guess FX slash Hulu because they got that little partnership. Yeah. So. Yeah, R.I.P. Atlanta. Uh, we'll be following the season, uh, like for the rest of the way. So we'll have uh, reviews, reviews often, especially for the series finale. I'm going to try to. I always say this, and I, I'm I'd be full of I'd be BSing, but I'm really going to try to go back and watch from episode one all the way to like the like before the season finale, mm. to like you know put all to try to connect all the dots. I may go back and watch on <laughs> Right. Cause I said that about insecure and I totally didn't do it. <laughs> so uh moving on from a show that talks about music, moving on to a trailer 
on a movie that's all about music, uh, the Whitney Houston biopic, and uh, I, I kind of say I'm not really that excited because I'm not. I'm not gonna say I'm exhausted with Whitney Houston uh, stuff. I just feel like what y'all are gonna tell me that I don't already know. Because that, that to me, that's the purpose of biopic is to like. Mm. Show me something that I don't know. You know, Ray was good because I I didn't know nothing about Ray Charles. You know, all mm. I knew was hit the road jack and Pips that was it. <laughs> right, Pepsi commercials, you know, and Ray was like uh, educated, like reading a biography. You know, I, I learned a great deal. You know, the Temptations movie, uh, the series, the TV movie uh, showed me a lot about them. I didn't know because they were before my time. Now, granted, Whitney was, I mean, but Whitney's career like started I was I think I was just born <laughs> like, I was like all, all the all like when like what was her first album dropped? Uh, first was album like, about uh, 85 85 so I wasn't even here so by 87 she was already established I think that's when she was battling the the Whitey the Whitney Whitey yeah because then, then the Soul Train was in 89 so right so yeah, yeah we grew up around there like we we more so like the the bodyguard preacher's wife uh, waiting to excel type Whitney. That's when my love, kind my of love is your love, yeah. Right, right, right. That's when we grew up with her. And by then, you know, the the story was uh halfway done. So I just want to know. And honestly, I, I I dare them to include Robin in it because I feel like if you don't got Robin in it, you wasting my time. I, I saw one in the trailer, so I was like, good. Like we acknowledge in reality. This that's good. <laughs> that's a good sign, you know. Right. That so to me, that to, that to me is is the missing piece because yeah, I mean, I think people, I think reason why you and maybe a lot of people say like, like I saw a lot of comments like online, people saying like, oh, we didn't have like you know a thousand Whitney biographies. I'm like, y'all, this is the, the, the second fictional movie. That the only one that was other one that was told from her perspective, her perspective was uh the one with the Angela Bassett did with Yaya as Whitney, because because right. other one was Bobby's story and the other one was Bobby Christina's story, you know. Uh, and then you had two two documentaries, the Whitney one and cannot be me, you know. So this this is the second fictional one. This one and then and then this one you have actually have a voice. You won't you won't have um Deborah Cox uh doing the vocals, um, like in the one with Yaya. So that's to me that's two distinct differences. Um but I think, yeah, to me, of all the, the books that have come out about Whitney, I feel like Robbins is the most objective, uh, is because she obviously she was very close. She was in the inner circle, but she wasn't family. So she is in. She was an insider, but she had the outsider's perspective on everything, you know. And to me, that was that that was a valuable point of view. And I hope they pull from that more in in the movie. And also, they just include in the movie and show that because that was part of Whitney's inner life. As much as that may bother some folks, <laughs> uh, man, and, I was <laughs> yeah, because I remember being a kid. Mm. Go on, you know how you go to the supermarket mm. and you see the tabloids, mm. and this was this this was all I heard about Robin, Whitney Houston's gay lover, mm. Whitney Houston leaves Bobby for lover, and I'd be like, wait, what? And I'll read it. You know, that's that's what introduced me to Robin because it was pretty much a secret, uh, like a, a badly kept secret, but it was like a secret, and I would only hear about it in those type of things. You never saw it on like uh, you know, talk shows or. Uh, you know, she never talked about it openly. Well, um, I do. I came across old interviews, like you know, either Essence or and or Ebony around, let's say eighty nine, ninety, maybe even before that, uh, where you know 
they asked, they said like she answered every question and she answered the quote unquote the biggie and said no she's not gay you know mm-hmm. um and so i think that was because you think about it when she first uh started the career you know she had a little duet with jermaine and that went away and then there was rumors about her and eddie and then I think maybe about her, Arsenio, and then like a football player. I think it was named Randall Cunningham. Yeah. So it was like, but she, she would compare it to like someone like, um, I'm trying to think, uh, compare it to somebody like Madonna. You knew who she was dating. She was dating Sean and she was dating this person. Then she was like, she was like hinting that she was messing with Sandra Bernhardt. But like, there was no question that she was out in these streets dating. With Whitney, you didn't really know who she was linked with. So, People would say, oh, she's not with anybody, so she must be with, you know, with Robin, which happened to be true. But actually, by, by the point that they were saying this about her, they had actually they weren't together anymore, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, to me, is, is a part of the story that, that should be told because that was part of her life. That was um, big, yeah. yeah it was big bigger problem. than what yeah. we knew. Yeah. Because, like, when you watch the Whitney documentary, and I'm that was, like, the first time I ever got to see. That's, to me, that's, like, because I haven't seen the other documentaries. But the Whitney one was, like, it showed every side of the her relationship with Robert. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything, but them like basically scissoring. It was like, you know, it showed how close they were. Mm-hmm. It showed that the family didn't like her, mm-hmm. which was uh, not surprising because they're in the background. Mm-hmm. Bobby didn't like her, of course, mm-hmm. you know, and it just showed you how long it went on. I almost hate that she wasn't in it, but I was, I was glad to finally see like it being acknowledged and not just like some tabloid rumor like it was presented for like a long time mm-hmm. so if the movie don't touch on that if they don't have it, i really honestly don't want to see it, it like the drug use i don't even care about because we all know the story now uh bobby didn't do it you know she was well, already using before I, I, even with even with the drug use i think they could show that in a way that's not salacious like oh she you know you know what I mean? Like it, it can be shown as a, as what it was, which is like a product of real struggle. And what was the reasons for the drug use? Was it, I mean, yeah, addiction, obviously, but was it family pressure, career pressure? Because you think about it, it's like, because I, I read somewhere like her family was like not doing well financially before the first album broke and the second album. Like she basically pulled them out of like, you know, financial turmoil, basically. And the, and they were all essentially employed by her. Like her, her father was a manager. Mm-hmm. Her mother worked for her. Her brother saying backup for her. Mm-hmm. Like, so what is that like? What is that like when your whole when you your family, including your parents, are employed by you? And then also right. the fact, and also the fact that now, in terms of your your personal image, your personal image is now attached to your public image. And the age she broke, she was like twenty twenty one. It's like you barely got to You just get a sense of who you are and and who you and you know your own identity. But now your identity is attached to this other identity that's designed to sell records. So there's Whitney, and then there's Whitney Elizabeth Houston, the person. And so no way, uh, and how, yeah, or Nippy, yeah. And so how much of that? How much of herself does she really know beyond the voice? Because I mean, not to I, mean, I ain't nowhere near. Whitney as a singer at all, but like this the idea, like when you get on stage and and, people, and somebody says, "Oh, you know, this sounds like yeah, she got a good voice, she can sing." But, but Whitney was it wasn't just oh yeah, she can sing. It's like she's the voice. So like, what um, kind of pressure? What kind of pressure is that? Like, every time you get on stage, people expect you not just to sing, but to like give some earth shattering, life changing vocal, you know, bravura performance. Performance. You know, what is that? 
feel like with somebody, you know, what kind of pressure does it create on top of the pressure of, you know, it's this thing about you that that's a part of it that you can't share with anybody that people are talking about, but you have to keep this particular image, both because how you, how you were raised and now because we got to sell records. Right. So if a, if, a drug is, if, a, if a drug is tied to all of that, then that grounds it in something. It's not just, oh, we're just doing cocaine. It's like, no, she's doing that because she feels like she feels trapped <laughs> or whatever. Right. So, yeah, I'm just interested to see how they tackle all that because I'm honestly waiting on reviews from like people I know before I go see it. I don't even go to the movies anyway since COVID. But if I heard if I hear enough reviews saying that it's worth watching me leaving my house, I might go see it. But I just I just don't know what they're gonna show me that I don't already know. Mm-hmm. You know, or or what they won't or what they're not gonna show. Cause I'm like, like I said, if they don't touch on Robin, I I really don't wanna see it. <laughs> like I just why waste my time? You know, yeah. uh I I just watched the Aretha uh bio. Person? Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. Like, like I said, I didn't, I didn't know much about Aretha. I'm not gonna lie to you. Outside mm-hmm. of like the, the power of the songs, you know, I, like the one was before our time. You know, mm-hmm. by the time we knew who she was, it was already established. This is the Queen of Soul, mm-hmm. and that's all. R E S P T P. That's all you need to know. And you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, I didn't have to you know deep dive into, it, but it mm-hmm. was, it was, it was okay. You know, I felt like it was, I felt like they held back a lot. You know, they what they wanted you to do some of the guesswork. Um, but I, I found it entertaining. But uh, yeah, this I don't know. Well, I don't know. But I was, uh, so, something they hit on, we hit on, which is kind of uh, a bit of a shame of uh, the music. <laughs> you know that how what what how did they come? I should go about how they go about creating. You know how will I know and uh, saving all my love and uh, I have nothing. You know what was her process like? How did she you know? I know she was a one take queen, you know, but still, you know, how does she approach the Star Spangled Banner and, and coming up with that vocal arrangement? Mm, yeah, yeah, those are things you can talk about, but it's, to, to carry a movie, I just feel like you just gotta, you just gotta like let some stuff out that you mm. know, I I need to know or I need to see, you know, mm. told, you know, because like I said, man, we we. We've heard so many stories that we know mm-hmm. what we know, but I just what are y'all gonna show and what are y'all gonna not show? Yeah. So I was, think if they show up to me, if they show up from the inside out, like I was saying, they would as much as they can, because obviously we're just not here to confirm or whatever, but if they can if they can give you the feeling like you're living it from the inside out rather than rather than just watching it happen from the outside, then I feel like it'll succeed. Because then it mm. feel, it'll feel lived in like you're watching it happen to her and how she's sort of dealing with it all and trying to handle it all. You know, because I mean, you think about, you know, I mean, before Whitney, as far as crossover was, I mean, eventually they read the crossover. You had Dionne Warwick, you had Diana, and then Donna Summer, but like Whitney was like Ralph the Gate. Like it wasn't like four or five albums, then she went crossover. It was like, you get good love, then uh, save it all my love for you, then how I know, then boom, you know, it was. Then the second, second album came out, then bow. Then the seven, seven, seven number one consecutive singles. Like you just, she was automatically just thrust into like this superstar of middle age. It was prior part of what the backlash was because it all happened so quickly and so fast um, that people were like, well, that's, who is she to, you know, 
have all the success. Um, so all that, I think there's a lot there to explore if they really want to dig into it. And I will say it's unfortunate because I'm part of a few fan groups on Facebook um, and the, the reaction, some of it's this fan nitpicking like, oh, this outfit don't match the one, don't match the actual outfit, which okay. But then some of it's just like, oh, she's too dark. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I don't care about that. Come on, y'all. This is not 1985. Mm -hmm. This ain't the barge rhythm of the night. Like, shit. Like, come on. Like, Whitney was not a light-skinned woman. You know? So, it's been some of that. And it's just been, like, I feel like some of her fans, like, they want, they want, like, this, the, they want the, the, uh, the Instagram filter version of her life. You know? Right, which I don't want. Like, mm. I don't need that. I, like I said, I don't need mm. you to be like a documentary because I feel like mm. the documentary was very good at telling mm. you, like, things that, you know, like like one of my favorite parts of the Whitney documentary was her talking trash about Paula Abdul. Mm. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, oh, 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 oh. saying off key on the record. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. I've never shit, seen this type of Whitney. Shit. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, shoot. You must not have read the interviews then. Because oh, nah. around, yeah, around, yeah, yeah, around early 90s time, she, she was like, well, yeah, who she shaded? Yeah, it's a little bit of Madonna shade, but you know. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't do that much deep diving, but for mm. sure. Uh, I, I like stuff like that, but I'm, I'm just like, I just want to see what y'all, well, I just want to see, like you say, more of like seeing her react to life versus just showing me like, bits and pieces and then like flash on the screen like five years later or 19 just dates and then you know you know don't just don't just hit bullet points like okay we do the star spangled banner okay now we gotta do uh we gotta do the bodyguard all right now we gotta do uh you know uh you know her and bobby getting married like i, I don't want to see bullet points oh if you yeah or show us moments show them how they were how they like don't just show like about me getting married, show like the stuff surrounding it, like show Eddie Murphy on the phone saying, Don't marry that nigga. You know, uh, I <laughs> uh, probably can't because like, I'm sure Eddie may, you know, maybe legal things, but um, but you know, show the inside of those moments, show the light, the real life of those moments on this show, like the the surface. Yeah, man, I, I really like, I really feel like you, you would have a good movie if you just show like the love triangle between her, Bobby, and, and Robin. Mm. I feel like if that's not executed in this movie, somebody needs to pick up the baton and do it. Because you got some storytelling going. And I feel like Robin never really got, I mean, I haven't, I still haven't read that book. Which I'm, what'd you say? I, I said, I, all of them, I think it's, I think it's the most objective one because the one, one BB wrote was just, uh, right. Fluff. And then the one, yeah. mama wrote, one of my mama wrote, it was, I mean, it, she's, she's straightforward, but you know, mama's. You know, just is just uh is she it's, well it's things that she probably would not know that Robin would know. And I think it's a difference between maybe Sis, Sis's book and and Robin's book. And Robin, I think, like I said, she was she was an insider, but she also was outside the family dynamic. So she had like a unique perspective. Like he, like she she kind of laid the reason out she laid, she laid the reasons out why things were what they were to my in my mind, because she said like where she saw like Whitney's brother had to do nothing growing up. They had no chores or responsibilities. They kind of they got to run the streets, do whatever they wanted to do. Whitney, on the other hand, had all the responsibilities, and like the mother was like really hard on her, you know. Um, so. Yeah, I just I feel like if they if they don't explore it in this movie, somebody should 
uh, try to get the film rights to uh, Robin's book and, and give us a movie about that. I just feel like that's a story that needs to be told, man. Mm-hmm. I feel like it wasn't it was something that was just brushed under the rug and like hidden because you know obviously at that time nobody wanted a pop star, a black pop star like that to be queer. Had um, new white ones, really. Well, I mean, not not not, yeah. not to like not to like Katie Lang and you know, Melissa Everett and everybody. Yeah, yeah, like Boy George and. Uh, well, they, that's the thing. Like, that's what's weird about the eighties. Is like you had Boy George, but Boy George wasn't out. You had George Michael, but George Michael wasn't out. I mean, Kevin, was Boy George really not out? Like, he, like I gotta no, say, but, I gotta but, say, George Michael. But I was saying he was he was androgynous to the point where he was like a eunuch. Like he was so. And it was not not. I'm not saying it's like a diss. I'm not saying it's like I'm saying that it's like, like my dad had had a uh, has a has a culture club record. Like that's what I mean. He likes like, music, right? Like, but that's I mean, yes. But what I mean is that it was like compared to like Prince. Prince was like androgynous and it was like provocative. Or George was was was, was androgynous and it was like almost cuddly. You know, like it was like it was so, it was so feminine to the point where it was like it wasn't threatening. I get what you're trying to say, but when I first heard, it, when I first saw this, it, like a kid, I'm like, oh, I think, I think I was under the impression that he like men, you know. Or, oh, you wait, know. He, he's he's out. I mean, he, he's out now, but I'm saying at the time, I right, right, he, right. And, and and as, as far as being on the record out, he wasn't. Right. And now that him was something, yeah, and Elton John the time, that, right? Elton John the time that he said he was bad. So I mean, like it was so. That's what I mean. Like on one hand, everybody was so androgynous, but nobody was really, uh, you know, out. You're out except for Sylvester, you know. Because um, I think uh, George Michael was out as like in a scandal. Mm-hmm, yeah, ninety eight. The bathroom, the bathroom time, yeah. So yeah, uh, so yeah, I think yeah. So in that environment, yeah, Whitney, you know, of course, Luther's another one. But God forbid, they just oh, about Luther. Now that <laughs> that's a biopic I would want to see because it's a lot about Luther I don't know. I would, yeah, uh, I, I would, but I just, I, I'm, I'm. I would not look forward to months of, of the whole chips and the pick me. Oh, and, and, and yeah. People just be like, man, why, why is that man busy? We already knew, okay? Well, shoot, <laughs> God, it, my, my, my response to that be, okay, well, if, if we all knew, then why did he, why couldn't he, why did he feel like he couldn't tell us? Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, you would definitely have to, uh, if you did that, yeah, yeah, I would say lay off Stay offline for a bit, yeah. The Luther <laughs> movie, <sighs> but um, I would like I would like to see something like that. I, I feel like there's a lot of biopics that could be done because, like I say, man, I want to I want to be educated, you know. Mm. So, like I said, it's, like it's a lot about the '80s and early '90s, even the, well, even the '70s that we don't know about. Because I feel like Motown has done the best. Um, I think Stax has some stories like Otis. Ray yeah, and, I was uh, yeah, yeah. Stax, yeah, yeah, Al Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's still a lot of like I said uh, it's just a lot of potential out there for biopic it's just it's all about the execution mm-hmm. you know uh, and, and what you how deep you want to dive you know mm-hmm. like I said you ain't got to make it a documentary but mm-hmm. you got you to give a, you got to tell the whole you got to tell the truth a little bit <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it seems like you know uh, all the Gen X ladies are, get, are, are, are telling their own stories are getting their stories told but you got Whitney now you got Mariah doing her series with uh, Lee Daniels um, of course, uh, Cheryl Crow had, had a documentary not too, not too far, far back, and then Lance had one. Now, uh, Sinead getting hers, so. Uh-huh. 
And Mary I told you writing her book, so. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to read it. I was watching, I didn't finish it, but I was watching some of her documentary, the one that's on uh, Amazon. Uh, and it was pretty good. I, uh, I always hear her talk about her problems in the past, but it's like, I always like stop listening because I'd be like, dang, like, it's tough to imagine marriage being on the dope and, you know, mm. drunk alcoholism. And, mm. But yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I would like to see one about Mariah. After reading. Did you read her book? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wanted because yeah. it was a lot about her I didn't know. I thought she had, like, you know, I was just some cute, just privileged, light skinned girl who just rose to the ranks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, it's a lot deeper than that. And, uh, not as glamorous as you as I thought it would be her upbringing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so, like yeah. I said, probably like a, she had like a series with uh, Lee Daniels. So, um, and I think she, I listened to the news she did with Rolling Stone recently because she's doing a lot of press for the 25th anniversary of Butterfly. Um, she mentioned that Vision of Love was getting used in somebody else's biography, which I think the person is Snoop. Because I remember an interview with either, either, with, either with her or with him years ago where, he, where she said that when he was in jail, he would listen to Vision of Love. And so, and it's something she said that was being used in the show. She didn't say that what the show was, but I think that's who that's what it was about. Interesting. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's the time for biopics. I just hope, uh, like I said, I hope they executed well and done. Uh, with the idea of educating, uh, I think about the generational impact you can have with a movie. Like I said, that Temptations movie was made for TV, based off a book, but that movie just really is a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I mean, look at how many people to this day still say, "Nobody come and see you, Otis," <laughs> and that's a that's a TV movie, you know. Um, it just it just it just really told a story that none of us were privy to because, like, nigga, one of us alive during that time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. We just we just do about the records, uh, but yeah, man, well, I, I just uh, that probably because it was a two parter, you know, because it was that was. I think it was more than two, wasn't it? Well, well, like I, 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 I thought it was, I think it was about four hours all together, so I thought it, right, I thought it was right. two nights. I know the Jackson right. was two nights, yeah. Oh, that Jackson one was epic. Mm. And uh, that one, that was that was educational too, because you know, like I said, like I said, you, when you make movies like that, you're like teaching a generation about an artist that they didn't know about. So I think you have to incorporate things in it that they can't just find, you know, because we are, like you said, you were talking about interviews. It's like, hey, you know, people don't read now, you know, <laughs> or they don't want to do that work going back to read those interviews. But, uh, you know, it's there, you know, and I think the movies help tell this story. And even though, you know, our states don't like movies a lot, I know everybody from um, that Temptation movie pretty much sued uh, well, Otis. And, well, Otis was last man standing, so. Right, last man standing, and yeah, you know, you that, that you know, everybody's like, you know, that didn't happen like that, which it didn't probably because it one that was a movie. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure Blue didn't go check on the ribs and then <laughs> I don't think that's yeah. and then come back, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, so yeah, but um, yeah, I'm excited. I don't like I said, I don't know, I, I highly doubt I see that movie in theaters, but I hope people who 
you know, uh, diehard fans are with me. I hope they're pleased with the product, and I hope it tries to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about uh, the Woman King trailer? And do you want to go see it? Oh, uh, when, I when do, do you plan to go see it? I plan to go see it probably uh, if not during the week, probably next weekend. This coming mm -hmm. weekend, so um, I lo love the trailer. Trailer was, looks great. Um, I know there's been some rumblings about, it, I guess, whether they were going to cover the, the homies' role in in, in the in the slave trade or whatever, which I think they are. Um, and then so there's that. Um, I know there was a post online uh, where somebody was saying, like, you know, I'm uh, I wish that uh, they would stop trying to like. Hey, it's I can't remember exact words, but it was by a, a blogger that we both know. <laughs> uh, he said that uh, I, I wish it, how many how many how many movies with unambiguously black leads are they going to have to be before before they stop telling us we have to go see them, or Hollywood won't make any more of them. You know that was the general gist of the post. <laughs> um, I agree with that to an extent. I hate when I hate when people try to make it pressure you to watch a movie mm -hmm. or go support a movie because you know this black person. Because I'm like nigga. <laughs> you know how many black people exist? Like that yeah. movie that go make a break about that yeah. white. Ain't room for everybody black, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, but uh, I agree. I agree with that to an extent. You know, uh, I think it is good that people do go support it, but don't try to pressure me or you know threaten me with like, oh, if you don't go see it, Hollywood ain't gonna make it no more. Like, like <laughs> that's not that's not true. <laughs> like nigga, they made a sequel to Best Man. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 years later. <laughs> I agree to a point, but I, I can also see like uh, the the other side because I mean, in the, you know, as long as we live in a capitalist society, the way we make our, as far as in, as far as what we want to see, we want to watch or listen to, the way we quote unquote vote or quote unquote we, the way we make that known about what we spend our money, time on, you know, etc. So, yeah, it's tricky though. Like, think about this new movie that's coming out, the the bro movie, the, the gay guy, bro, the, so. the white gay guy, yeah, the white gay mm -hmm. movie. That movie is either gonna bomb or it's gonna be like, uh, I don't know, some a big comedy box version, office match. A comedy version broke back. In terms, yeah. in terms of success, you know, yeah. And it just looks so. I saw the trailer and I said, "Oh, this is so cringe," and not even because of like the topic, but just because it's just so corny. It's like it looked like they took every like uh, like like gay joke from the '90s and the 2000s and said. We got to put them all in the movie, like, <laughs> like, like that was the deal. Yeah. Oh, I and I didn't that, see actually. no niggas. I was like, "Wow, what, what, what are niggas at? Oh, like, well, I mean, yeah, hmm, hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, you I, got that one black friend. Okay, well, she has Madison's in it, which I'm glad to see her in it. You know, get get your I'm money. Like Billy, like Billy Porter was a uh, book. <laughs> well, Billy Porter. Well, speaking of that, he was in one back in the day called a uh, Lonely Hearts Club with uh Dean Kane and uh. Somebody else. Um, so he wasn't that back in the day. Which I, I will say with bros, um, I, I am glad that the lead actor, Billy Eichner, who also I think he wrote it and produced it. And also and then uh the other lead actor, Luke, I think Luke McFarlane is his name. I think that I'm glad that it's gay men playing gay men. Uh oh, okay, so both of them are yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh now that I, and I don't have I don't have an issue with I don't have an issue in, 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 in theory with straight men playing gay or straight people playing gay roles. It's just that the opposite usually doesn't work, which is that's the, the issue for me. 
uh, issue with the, the opposite is usually not available, which is the issue for me. Um, after I watched the trailer, I mean, it's you know, it's it's that humor uh, that uh, that is not uncommon uh, as far as like um, some of the jokes that they were in the movie, and um, you know, I, I, I I'm interested. It piqued my interest, you know. Uh, isn't that you know? Uh, yeah, would you go a, see it? Um, I probably would wait to go. I probably wait for it to be on like HBO Max or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, but I mean, it looks it looks okay. You know, it's like it's, I mean, it's, and in fact, I mean, it is a rom com, so it's gonna it's gonna hit certain tropes, even though even though you have this other, oh, it's a different uh perspective than the usual rom com. Um, and also age may have something to do with it because Billy Eichner's like in his early forties, so he grew up on the you know. My Please best friend, oh, best friend, yeah, you got, yeah, mm -hmm. Harry Met Sally, all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. say if, if it was told by, say, a Gen Z gay person, it'd probably be different. Like, uh, like that, it's probably different than probably something like Love Simon, which is about like a gay mm. teen coming out. Again, white, but you know, um, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna bash it because he's white. Because yeah. I mean, we old enough to know how this game go. You know, mm. that's Hollywood. You know, and but, um, you know. Let them tell their stories too. You know, yeah. I guess. I'm yeah, I was still, I was still hoping for a uh, adaptation of Invisible Life, but I guess it's not going to happen. So, what is it? That's the debut novel from Elin Harris. Oh yeah, Elin. Yeah, Elin. Um, I think definitely his work should be um, highlighted. Now, I always fake read his books. Like I, <laughs> I would have them, and I'd be like, "Man, I'm gonna throw this book," and I thought, <laughs> and I not because they were bad or anything, but I just. Mm -hmm. Move on to something else, or just forget they, about I it. I mean, they are, they are. I mean, especially his later ones are beach reads. I would, as you recall, probably that no, very easy reading. You know, they fit like a certain style. But those that early to me, that early, uh, I guess you call that early trilogy of like Invisible Life and Just As I Am, and then uh, Abide with Me. They they were uh, they definitely were digging a bit deeper. Than hmm. some of they not like stuff. It's, it's not like cover the book, is it? Like none of this stuff is like that. I mean, cover the book as far as like, like uh, you see, you saw, you remember the movie cover, right? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I would say, I mean, I would say it's be they're they're better than that <laughs> than cover, but he definitely deals with men who are like, who are like closeted and, and like leading and and sort of like trying to sort of uh accept themselves and, and figure themselves out and, and things like that. But I think it's done with a bit more nuance and a bit more empathy mm -hmm. than cover cover was. And also a different right. time period because Visible Life came out in, in 91, the, the book, you know, so different era. Yeah, I think that's interesting you say that. I do think if you were to make a black movie like that, you could, you should try to do it with somebody who, one, you know, was part of the community and two, had I mean gives you a blueprint, you know, like uh just a the way to go about it. And all you have to do is just update it a little bit and you know just fine tune it and uh you know go from there. Uh that's interesting though. I wonder um I wonder who would do something that bold because I uh, I mean the story should be talking think about moonlight how long ago that was now and mm -hmm. we still haven't really seen like that up to and then that's another thing. Like you say, like oh, you know, you gotta support this movie because if you don't, it'll do this. But like, <laughs> more like won an Oscar, you know. And it just, it did. Well, you know, difference between to me, difference between Moonlight and say Bros to bring it back to I guess you know LGBTQ led films. Moonlight is like a coming of age, quiet, intimate drama. 
bro is like right. a big bro, bro is like a big loud romantic comedy so even with the even with it being centered around two gay men it's still like it's broader in terms of the, like appeal it's a you know it's uh-huh. broad broad right humor. right 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 yeah because even um even as much as i love the movie i haven't watched it outside of two times just because mm-hmm. it's just it's very so quiet heavy. Mm-hmm. yeah this is not something you watch for fun mm-hmm. it's more and, so you you watch it to you know take away yeah. from it yeah so yeah, that's I think in part has to do with it. Uh, no, no, but no, I haven't watched it yet. I'm keeping me into, but someone did make a uh, what's the name? The comedian uh, Samson, along with uh, Jesse, uh, was involved in the in the making of uh, B Boy Blues, the movie, which is based on the book uh, of the same name. So that's it. Came out around the same time as uh, Evelyn Harris' books, around so like mid nineties. Okay. I, um. Yeah, I wonder when do we get beyond, Uh. when do we get that next one? Cause like I said, Moonlight was what? That was 2016, mm-hmm. 17? And we're in 2022 and we haven't gotten a, a, you know, that type of feature film. And that movie won the Oscar, you know, and I know people be like, oh, you know, Oscar doesn't mean much anymore, but it's like, uh, it does, you know, as far as that, that awareness. And I like, mean, I you guess know, you I guess you can look at it as beyond just like maybe without Moonlight, you wouldn't have had Pose, and then you wouldn't have oh, had. You, you wouldn't, you wouldn't I, have, I mean, in terms of like the trickle down effect, maybe you wouldn't have had Pose, and then you wouldn't have necessarily had uh, P Valley, and now maybe P Valley will will push push the next thing to happen. You know. Well, I think P Valley is something that could have happened. I just think maybe you could say Moonlight helped us get to the point of where. You could have other characters like Uncle Clifford in the Little Murder Story mm. more prominent, you know, because P Valley is pretty much like it's, it's really just, I mean, Players Club ran so that could fly, you know, but <laughs> we get to fly. Right. Uh, and then with uh, Pose, Pose is by, um, what's that boy's name? Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy. And we know Ryan Murphy is like, if it's- he. Once it's done, it's gonna be done. You know, he just he has it's the it. name, he has the yeah. money. You know, and I, I, we don't know how long uh, Pose was in the works because I think Pose came out maybe like a year after Moonlight, but we don't know. You know how much you know those pro- those uh, projects went passing. You know, but I I would say Moonlight helped. Maybe uh, maybe you had. Uh, I don't know. I guess you could say it had, they're in a, they're in, of course they're in a community together, but I don't know how much impact Moonlight had on that show per se because like of the time frame. Because mm-hmm. it's not like they were like that, that long, that far away from each other. You know, it's not like you know FX was like, hey, we need some gay stuff because Moonlight <laughs> won an Oscar. So mm-hmm. you know, I don't. Well, know I guess, I'm, well, like I, guess what I mean, I guess what I mean with that is that the success of Moonlight maybe. Even if it posed already in, in pre-production, FX may have, may have seen that success and been like, "Okay, let's really push this. Let's put some money into it. Let's really." I mean, you had Ryan right. Murphy attached to it, but that may have made them even go more like, "Okay, let's really make this a thing and try to push it as much as we can." You know. Yeah, because the audacious thing about uh, the ambitious thing about Pose really was that it was pretty much a one a, a predominantly trans cast, and then mm-hmm. none of them acted before. Mm-hmm. So that was very, uh, very forward and very uh, progressive. Like we always, like people always talk about, you know, being progressive and Hollywood and things like that. But they don't want to give these people 
roles or you know uh have them actually matter in the product too like like opposed to you know mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah. So, yeah, yeah so i think and even with pose i mean they, they the reason why the, that first season ended the way it did because they watched it they were gonna get a second one so yeah and you, you're right about that the pose uh-huh. definitely ended like this is it <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, and i wasn't but, fine with that which is, I mean, but I, I wouldn't have been because it's, it's like the, I always call it the curse of the two seasons, especially which like, like, uh, it was all two seasons gone, looking two seasons gone, you know, right. two seasons and we out, you know, L word is like an right. exception, I guess, you know, uh, oh, yeah, for, yeah but, this, but like, and uh, what queer folk, where's the queer folk too, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like look, like two two thousand name Noah's Ark. I still don't know why I still don't know why they canceled that one because that was like the most popular show on logo. Uh, but you know, so. I think a network. If I'm a network executive, and I know most of these people on social media, I can't believe nobody has yet to look at like Chase in Atlanta, Chase the Chase in franchise, and be like, I need that on TV. Chasing Atlanta is that was was like a web series or? Yeah, like I can I don't I can't. Sometimes I'm shocked that a network hasn't been like, give me that I need the IP, you know. Like well, they got this, they got this other show, Bad Boys or something. There's just like a bunch of queens fighting and, and throwing throwing hands, like, uh, which, which I guess is like, which I guess like, <laughs> which I guess is, <laughs> which I guess is, which I guess is like, yeah, that was a throwback term right there. Um, which I guess is like a quality because it shows we can be we can be you know uh, good trash TV too. So yay, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think just you need both, you know. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah, a little ratchet. Yeah, a little, little you know. Yeah. Little ratchet. Like, I've, never, mm-hmm. I've never seen chasing uh, any of them, the Atlanta, Dallas, or whatever, Houston one or whatever. But I do think you need that type too, because I mean, people like Miss. You mm. know, that's the reason why the the Housewives been on so long. So. But uh, it's interesting though. Um, I, I I hope Bros does well because you know if it does well, that means maybe more movies like that are getting made. But it's it's just for me, it's just so cringy. Like oh, like oh. But what, I get what, it. You, you know? what, what do you find uh, cringy about specifically? Now you said some of the the jokes, the <laughs> jokes. <laughs> this, this is like, and I know in a trailer you have to like. Especially for a romantic comedy trailer, mm-hmm. it has to have a tone. You know, it has to be upbeat. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta pick. You gotta pick. Like you said, the the person who what wrote it or directed it, yeah, uh, they're of that time, so they they follow the formula. You know, upbeat song. Um, the whole, uh, you know, I met this person, and you know, I think they're mm-hmm. cute or whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll go for it. And then you know, they show them trying to meet, and it's awkward. And then like, oh, they don't like me. Then they see each other by chance, and then they say, you know few dates and then they're in love and then comes the the big um monkey wrench like oh you know mm-hmm. I'm I'm moving or um I'm actually involved with somebody or oh you know this this can't work and then you gotta find out why or then love prevails in the end. Mm-hmm. So I get it. But it just the jokes were like I was like man like <laughs> I was like this feels like appropriation <laughs> but I was like but I guess the whole cast is gay or whatever, the people behind the scenes. But it's just, I don't know. It just feels like, ugh. I was just like, man, this this is, uh, 
I don't know, like the jokes. Like even the part where they were like fighting and then I think they started making out the dudes were like, hey man, break up, break up. Then they were like, oh, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but I get it though, you know, like it's 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 due time for one, it's coming of age, it's it's time. I think it's it's helpful, but uh, we'll see. Mm. I think mean, everybody uh, white. <laughs> let's, let's I was looking for the niggas. Yeah, they had TS in there, so you know. And I, I do they, when they were in that. Oh, round TS Madison. Mm-hmm. She's in. She's part. Of, she was on like the, like there's some pride plan committee that's a part of the movie. She's in that, in those scenes. Uh, okay. yeah, she's in there. Uh, and I think um when he was there's one scene when they had like a little dinner with a bunch of friends, and I saw like a, a black guy and an Asian guy saying they weren't they weren't a throuple. So there's that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, so you know, sprinkling's here and there, you know. Um, but yeah, we know who it's for, though. I, I'm, I'm like I said, you know, it has to be done. I'm surprised it hasn't been done sooner, but there have been others, but not on this, not on this level. Yeah, now it's out. Yeah, mm. like what's like, give me some examples of others. Um, like I said, Lonely Hearts Club with Billy Paul oh, in yeah. that, and, and Dean Kane was in that, and then uh, what's his name? Damn, I can't think of the guy's name, but I see his face, but I can't think of his name. Uh, he was in that. They were both in that. Um, it was two other movies that I saw. One once one was featured. Uh, um, Sean, uh, the guy who plays Jack from Bill and Grace. He was in one back in the nineties. Oh, okay. But both were, it was, and it was another one too. Both were in indies, indie indie driven. Uh, so like they, it's been they've been around, but it just hadn't been like you know. Elevated, it's huge. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I think another one too uh, was called. Was, I think it was Love the One You With that came out not too long ago. I'm not sure. I think it was a movie too, but it was again indie, but but black gay gay characters. So, mm. oh yeah, I hope we get more movies in the same vein, like you said, the Lee ha- Elon Harris, Invisible Life, you know, type stuff. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. and I, I feel like uh, I, I really wonder what I really wanted to what happened with Kid Furies. Um, show idea with HBO. Like, I wonder what, what, who, like, what, ha- what fell apart for it? Uh, maybe, he, maybe he wasn't, maybe he wasn't ready to to run to run a show. So maybe he's just right now he's writing for uh rap shit. So maybe he felt like he had to like build up to that. Mm. You know, interesting. That's that's all I could think yeah. of. Because I mean, because I, I mean, I should, I'm sure that's I mean. Yeah, because um, show, show, yeah, show running like that's I'm sure that's like 50 or 100 jobs in one, you know, right? And um, which McCall had to try a lot before she really just got off. Um, what's my girl name, Quinta? Mm-hmm. Quinta's had like even I don't even like mentioning his name, but even Kevin Hart, like I always <laughs> tell people, Kevin, Kevin Hart was famous, Kevin Hart been famous like five times before he was really like Kevin Hart now, so. Sometimes you do have to like have little setbacks for. Why you miss Kevin Hart? <laughs> I know. I don't know. I, yeah, I like, probably because like just like Quentin, like our like you see that person, you'd be like, man, they're gonna go places, and then you find out they get in the show, and then you, the show get canceled, or they had a pilot, and the pilot gets canceled, and then you're like, damn, I haven't seen them in a while. And next <laughs> thing you know, like they get a hit. Did you watch his documentary on Netflix? Who? Kevin Hart. Fuck no, I don't know. I don't like the dude. <laughs> I only mention him because he's one of them examples of people who like career kind of stopped and stalled, stopped and mm. stalled, and then like just like blew up. So 
I mean, I'm not really, a, I'm not really a fan either. But it was it, that documentary was it was illuminating as far as like his, his personality. Learning a little bit about that. Uh, Did they mention um, the controversy he had? You know, that's 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 around the time they had it with the Oscars thing. Yeah, it's oh, they covered that time. You know, uh, yeah, they, it was it was around that, and then they kind of went back into like his childhood and and, their, and his relationship with his parents. Uh, mm. Okay, so that was insightful. I thought it was like, oh, I can't okay. believe you watched it. What made you watch it? Um, I don't know really. Just, I just thought, uh, I just, I guess one is documentary, so maybe that was it, <laughs> or like oh, docu- okay. documentary style. So that was it, and then just you know, just seeing what it was about, and it was clear to me, okay, like at least from the outside looking in, I was like, okay, mom was the angel, daddy's like not necessarily the devil, but like. They need to come around. We talk, but we but like I'm good. That's what he keeps like he's like as far as like he I know it's like whenever he was talking about his dad, like his dad wasn't around when he was growing up really, and he was like, but and his dad really ain't <laughs> his dad kind of is just a guy. He's you no, know, they're, cool, they're fine. He's cool. He supports them, but it's like not the same as as like he probably was with his mother. And it's like he when he talked about it, it was like he was saying like you know oh yeah like I'm not you know I'm not all broken up about it like you know or like the heard about it like you know we passed it we good we good I'm like oh yeah you know yeah you know the trauma like like oh, like, oh you good and then, and then it's just like and also just like you know at certain points he'd be like going to do a show and he's like you know my kids on the phone you know my kids are like dang why you gotta go why you gotta, why you gotta do all this stuff why you gotta do you know travel so much he's like well she I don't travel to do the movies and do shows and we don't eat I'm like. I mean, maybe that was true in like 04, 05, but like you come up on, you got to be at least worth like a hundred million now. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, no, I'm just, no, it's not like, you, like if you don't do the show or do the movie, like the bills will still be paid. And it's right. like, he being extra dramatic. Right. It's like, and it's like, it was like one scene where he, it was like he hadn't showered in like maybe like a day and a half, whatever. And his, and his wife was like, you know, take a shower. It was like, like, it was like, I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, it's like, I got the feeling yeah, he, like, he works really hard. Yeah. I, I, I always credit his work ethic. I mean, yeah, but I got the feeling that it was like, if he had woken up tomorrow during that movie, doing that docuseries, and his, his accountant said, you know, man, you were a billion dollars, like, oh, all right, yeah, yeah. He'd have been happy for like 10 minutes, maybe a day, and woke up and been like, how I get to be a trillion? You know, I got that sense from him. Yeah, I mean, and like we talked about, I think last episode with Jay-Z, that's the curse of growing up in poverty and then making it, you feel like at any point it could be taken away or it's like, I'm not, I don't have enough. Or you see yourself as like, I got to get what the white folks got. (laughs) Like, I got to get to Bill Gates. Mm. (laughs) And it's like, nigga, why? (laughs) I was I was getting more of the Wood Smith vibe from him. That's like that trying. I to think ach- he had a good there too. Trying to trying to like achieve your way out of your trauma, tra- and, traumatized self. Yeah, right. I think I think it's definitely a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like you don't have to do all that, Kevin. Like yeah. you yes. are as famous as like he's like the most famous comedian of the generation. Like he's not the he's not the funniest, mm-hmm. but he is the most successful by far. You know, um. It's like you can relax now. Like nigga, raise your kids. Like, yeah, so that's that's what that's what that's that was that's, 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 that's a theme of me when he was like saying like I, I gotta just, I gotta go I gotta work. I was like, but you really don't have to though. Like you've got to like that's why I was no. I remember, yeah. I remember talking to to someone on my job years ago. We, we were talking about it. So it's like you know black folks and people and people get successful and everything else. And other person she was back and I was like and I was like 
and then Oprah came up and I was like, you know, and she was saying she Oprah still gotta do what they say say she say say do. I'm like, but damn, it was like you were two point seven billion dollars. If you can't if you if you, if, if at the level you still can tell people to to fuck off, get your ass, and what's the point? Right. Like, like what's the point? Like now you're just making excuses. Yeah. And I think it's uh I think it's something too where like I, I just think they don't I think a lot of those people get so used to being like on the go that they can't stay settled. Like they, they have to always be in grind mode. And like you said, I think he got some of that Will Smith in them. Mm. You know. Yeah. So yeah. Um that pretty much concludes the episode. Uh as you can see, we we <laughs> went from here to there. We, <laughs> right, we went from A to Z, and like we always do. Uh, if you stuck around, thank you. Uh, we hope you continue to come back and listen to more. We'll continue covering this Atlanta of the. Uh, we'll continue to cover this season of Atlanta, and yeah, so here we are, going forward. Uh, probably, hopefully, we watch Woman King. Uh, I, I haven't been to the movie yeah, since COVID. I'm, I'm gonna make an effort to go out to go out and, right. and, and see it because it does it does look very interesting. I've heard good things about it, so, uh, so yeah. Oh, oh, you are you anything else you listen to listening to or watching or reading at the moment? Or? Um, I listened to Ori Lennox's album. I mm. enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, the girl's really good at writing. I I like the way she's trying like take back R&B. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so that's good. Uh, Santa Gold has a new album out. I know that's the name. Ooh, I heard it like, Right. Take me back to Echo Hoodies. Shit. Right. So she dropped a new album, which was refreshing. I'm like glad she's back. Kalia. Uh, Kalila is back. Oh, uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, has, I saw that. Kalila was back, yeah. Yeah, she has a rollout coming. I, yeah. I don't know when the album comes out. Yeah, it was like, girl, but, where you been at? Just like, <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, it's dope. I'm excited to uh also check out um check out see what happens in quarter four because I think a lot of artists might drop. I think Travis Scott is gonna drop and I'm interested to see how he goes after the whole uh controversy, mm-hmm. you know, with his festival, see how that goes. And um watching I haven't been watching much. I watched Atlanta. <laughs> that counts for something. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't watched it much. So what about you? Uh, well, I am a bit disappointed in Mary because she passed up two anniversaries and didn't do nothing. Because uh, this year marks 25 years since Share My World and 30 years since What's the 411. You know, oh, not, wow. Mm-hmm. Not, no, not no tour, no nothing. Well, I, I mean, she's on tour, but like, you know, no. Oh, it's um, and I think this might be 15 years for the breakthrough, huh? No, breakthrough was okay. in uh, 05, yeah. Oh, okay. 15 years Dang. since Growing Pains, actually, yeah. But, uh, Growing yeah, but, Pains, yeah. okay. But, I mean, what's 411? I mean, seminal oh, yeah. R&B yeah. album. Yeah, like, pretty mean, just, big. Yeah, nothing. Like, no, no like, acapella tracks and, like, expanded versions of, like, just, like, you know, mm-mm. Sharon World didn't get nothing, you know. Um, so, I, 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 was, I was surprised by that. Yeah, you can get an IG post. Uh, mm. But <laughs> um, but listening to R. Lennox, listening to R. Lennox's new album. Um, still listening to to uh, finally enough love, which is the fifty number one dance. It's uh, from Madonna. Um, 
which speaking of anniversaries of rock insurance 30 in about a month so there's that uh but she may not do nothing because she's doing the album reissues so um one of the quests, uh we've been watching it was in atlanta uh i think i've been uh, binging a uh, living single uh, for some reason oh okay Mm-hmm. I've been um I was just talking to somebody about Living Singer and I've been wanting to go back and check it out some uh because I haven't seen it in years. But uh the comedy was short though. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. uh, I used to love I think Maxine was my favorite character. Yeah. The Ride the Maverick. <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing that. Uh I think we talked about this one time before we started recording. Um I watched one episode of Dahmer and I was like, I don't know if I can do the rest of them. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's 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 a lot. That's that's that's, that's some that is some dark subject matter, to say the least. <laughs> so not that I, you know, am no stranger to, you know, uh true crime things, but I don't, I don't know. That one just <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. So there you all have it. Another mm-hmm. episode of the side eye. Uh, come back, man. Stick around, stick around with us. Talk about pop culture and music and everything else in between. Sub sports. That's a little too <laughs> straight, boy. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm Uptown Bobby. And I'm K Clark. And y'all keep your eyes open and eyebrows raised.